Paul Steinhauser, sports nationally for Fox News. Busy week. I see the RNC is already backing down. Now, you heard, I don't know if you heard Governor Sununu on my show yesterday talking about the RNC chair after uh, Tuesday night's primary in New Hampshire where Nikki Haley finished second to Donald Trump, who won the primary, uh, saying that Nikki Haley will, will never be the nominee. Uh, Governor Sununu on my show yesterday picked up some news. Uh, uh, Steiny reports nationally for Fox News called her an idiot and a scared puppy dog for Trump for, uh, for saying Haley should get out of the race, basically. Now the RNC is pulling back a little bit. Steiny, good morning. Good morning. And, uh, yeah, the primary here in New Hampshire fading into the rearview mirror, but Chris Nunu still a very loud and proud surrogate for Nikki Haley. And his comments on your show yesterday definitely making some news, not just here in New Hampshire, but uh, across the country. Let's talk about that draft resolution. It was brought up by a guy called David Bossie, longtime uh, Republican National Committee member from Maryland, also a very longtime friend of Donald Trump, one of the top officials on Trump's 2016 campaign. But there was pushback against that. The RNC has to remain neutral, right? That's by their laws, by their bylaws. So they're, they're, the resolution was quickly pulled, especially after the pro- former president himself came out last night on social media and said, hey, I appreciate the effort, but no, let me win this one fair and square. As for Nikki Haley... Uh, putting out some numbers yesterday in the 48 hours after the New Hampshire primary, where she came in second to Trump by 11 points down, she raised catch this, Jack, $2.6 million. So Haley trying to show off her momentum here and show that uh, fundraisers uh, and donors are still excited about her bid. Uh, the next big contest, of course, will be in her home state of South Carolina on February 24th. So we've got a long way to go. She's campaigning in South Carolina this weekend. The former president will be in Nevada this weekend because they do have a caucus there coming up in about a week and a half. And on the Democratic side, President Biden in South Carolina as well this weekend because the Democratic primary there, Jack, is early. It's actually a week from tomorrow. So a lot going on on the presidential campaign trail. Yeah. And, Paul, you know, I'm hearing a couple of narratives behind the scenes on the Nikki Haley campaign and strategy. One is... They know she's down in her her own home state in South Carolina, just about a month away. They're not she's not fully in the Nevada thing, so there's another big headline for Trump, probably right. But and, yeah, and, Nevada. Yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead, Jack. And so I don't think she wants to go into South Carolina and lose by double digits. But I'm hearing that her donors and supporters, the key advisors, want her to stay in this thing, even if there's more bumps and bruises, just to be there. In case. Those are the two stories I'm hearing. Well, that's true. That's true. You know, there's always the thought because Donald Trump has got a ton of legal difficulties, right? First president ever or former president ever to be indicted. He's got four trials going on. And, you know, a couple of these could could could, could possibly end him behind bars, right? So there's the thought that, well, maybe she needs to stay in for that because what happens if he's, uh, you know, uh, wins the nomination and then is in jail? Let's also say right now we haven't really seen any polling in South Carolina in almost a month. So we're looking forward to seeing what the numbers there show. You would assume that uh, Trump would have the lead. But Haley says, listen, this is my home state. I've won it twice. She won it twice statewide as governor. Um, Yes, she is definitely not ready to give this one up. That's pretty crystal clear, Jack. All right, Steiny. Good stuff. Paul Steinhaus reporting nationally for Fox. And good morning, New Hampshire, the Pulse of an H. Thank you, Paul. Have a great weekend, Jack. John Decker to take him early so he doesn't have to wait. Our own White House correspondent on a Friday cameo. Good morning, John. Hey, good morning to you. Hope you're doing well today. Thank you. A little slippery here with some, uh, I guess, uh, sleet and ice. John, were you at the brewery yesterday making beer? 
Uh, I was at the brewery with President Biden yesterday. I traveled with him to Wisconsin, and I even uh, had a lager on the way back on Air Force One from that brewery. Awesome. Uh, I give it a thumbs up. <laughs> so social media lights up at any little thing. You and I know that. And in fairness, I wasn't there. I, you know, I wish I was because I, I could use something cold right now in my throat. I got that little cold going around. But, John, <laughs> right. uh, fair or unfair that social media blows up when President does another famous Biden gaffe. Was it was it noticeable or not? Which gaffe are you referring to specifically? The one I have about to know what you're Earthride uh beer being brewed, beer makes the beer brew here. Earthrider, thank you for the Great Lakes. Uh I I I miss that. Uh but uh to me it, when you're traveling with the president sometimes you, you miss everything gets picked up and magnified by social media. Uh look, you know, I've seen uh President Biden make gaps practically every week of his presidency so uh you know if you want to magnify this one add this to the list <laughs> add, the, add this one to the list jack you know, you know it's, they're, they're... it's not it's not anything new john i don't know what you have for us this morning but i didn't i haven't had a chance to have you on after the primary here yeah interesting observation regardless of where it goes from here what we just talked about the president and he is older but you know the polls show it doesn't seem to matter. The Democrats are all in. This is their incumbent. They feel pretty good about their chances with Biden and Trump again, or at least they're going to go with it. And Trump wins enough here. I think he goes on. He has a bigger time in Nevada than Haley because she's not really all in there. South Carolina may be tough for Nikki Haley, her home state. So I think yeah. Trump's the Republican nominee at some point. I mean, I think it's wrapped up, but it may, I, may be, I may be wrong. My point is, most, of the, most people polled don't want Biden and Trump again. But that's exactly what we're probably going to get. Why is that? Well, we're going to get that because of the way the system is set up. You know, Joe Biden is the incumbent, uh, and he wants to run again. Uh, He's doing everything that an incumbent does to run again, including uh, some fundraising trips over the next few days uh, and next week. Uh, And as it relates to Donald Trump, uh, to me, he's always been campaigning as essentially the incumbent. Uh, And it's difficult to knock off an incumbent, especially when you have the kind of support in his base like Donald Trump has. I think that's it. I think everyone's found that out now. It's hard to be Trump in a primary, especially when he's in the news 24-7, good or bad. And, of course, Joe Biden, the incumbent. So it's essentially two incumbents is what you're saying. Exactly. Uh, It's very unusual to have this kind of race. It's a rematch uh, than what we had in, in 2020. But, you know, now uh, we have two individuals who have records that they can run on. In fact, yesterday when I was with President Biden, he talked about the economy and he said the Biden economy is better than the Trump economy. That is that's after those GDP numbers came out for the fourth quarter. That's uh, a line that I think President Biden is going to use as he continues campaigning in battleground states like Wisconsin over the next few months. All right, John Decker on White House Correspondent. Thank you, John. Make it a good weekend. Thank you, Jack. You too. Bye-bye. Good morning, New Hampshire. Powered by Sig Sauer. Now, back to Jack Heath on the Pulse of New Hampshire. All right, welcome back. Kevin Landrigan, senior political reporter in New Hampshire, union leader. Kevin, let's talk about some takeaways. New Hampshire voted. They voted big. Great participation. Kudos to all the people involved in the elections, campaigns, most importantly, the voters. And everyone who made New Hampshire, I think, do something really, really well. And we count votes better than most states accurately. But, Kevin, uh, your thoughts. You've covered so many of these. Any, what were the, give me the Landrigan uh, notebook from the primary. 
Yeah, Jack, great to be with you. I mean, I think you're absolutely right. The, the turnout was really amazing, particularly on the Democratic side. I mean, I think activists, Democratic activists have to get a lot of credit for getting that kind of turnout when you've got a president, not even on the ballot. It's, it's clear, excuse me, it's clear it's going to be almost 30,000 more than Secretary State Dave Scanlon said it would be. That's certainly going to help our 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 cause going forward in terms of keeping the primary in future years. But let's be clear-eyed about this, which is four years from now, the same people are going to come after New Hampshire like they always do. I mean, play this out for a second. Whether Joe Biden wins re-election or not, who is the preeminent next person who's going to run for president on the Democratic side? Vice President Kamala Harris. And what did Kamala Harris do four years ago? She basically skipped New Hampshire, right? Her strategy was the South Carolina strategy. She dropped out even before New Hampshire arrived, but she was planning to essentially bypass New Hampshire and do well in South Carolina and go on her way to the nomination. So it's conceivable she might try to do that, deploy that strategy in 2028. The difference is, as we know, she's not going to get this nomination, you know, by acclamation. There's a lot of Democrats on the side. The Democrats nationally actually have a growing bench, a very young, articulate politicians who are going to come to New Hampshire and say, well, wait a minute, Um, particularly if Biden loses a second term, there's going to be this rush of people, whether it's Ro Khanna, Gavin Newsom, Pete Buttigieg, down the line of people who come to New Hampshire and essentially say, uh, here's where I can get my start. And Buttigieg, of course, four years ago, almost pulled it off here in New Hampshire. So I think the primary is going to be fine. It's just I think people shouldn't assume because everything went so well on Tuesday, well, the DNC is going to just uh, put the tail between their legs and give up because they're well, not. Kevin because is... they always will view New Hampshire this way right. as too white, too rural, and too much not like America. But, of course, we actually are a lot like America, aren't we, Jack? Well, I have to tell you what some <laughs> of the national producers were asking me during the break when I did a lot of those national hits in a moment. But, hey, you, you didn't say congratulations to Joe Biden. He did something he hasn't been able to do when he's on the ballot. He won when he's not on the ballot. He got a write-in win here. So, you know, you got to give him some credit. Well, uh, watch the pivot that's going to occur from this Biden-Harris campaign towards New Hampshire, right? Which is not only did we did Democrats here do a major solid by giving this guy almost 70% on a write-in, he may need New Hampshire's four electoral votes in this election, right? Yeah. And And... And he, already, he obviously sees up here a pretty energized Democratic base, right? And you've got an open race for governor. You've got two important congressional seats. So New Hampshire's moving up in terms of importance nationally for the Biden-Harris ticket. And I, I say to you, certainly before spring arrives, you're going to see a more visible presidential campaign from Biden here in New Hampshire because they understand it's an important state. It's a swing state, and and it's also a state, a messaging state, where he can he can try and frame the argument uh, in New Hampshire against Trump. Keep in mind, Trump has lost New Hampshire twice, yeah. right? And so you you know, in the Biden Harris view, they can win New Hampshire if they make the right pitch and they devote the right amount of time and resources here. Well, if he comes up here, maybe he can go to like what is it, Tuck? You know, the Tuckerman's Ravine Brewing, one of the local brewing companies, and talk about how beer is brewed here. Beer brewed here, and the Earthworks uh, made the Great Lakes like he did yesterday. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I don't know if you saw that clip. It was like he was speaking another language at that uh, appearance yesterday at the brewery. But we had our own White House correspondent, John Decker, who was there yesterday. Talking about, hey, real quickly, Kevin, it's interesting. Yeah. When I did some of the national hits with the 
you know, I was over at St. A's and over the weekend at CNN and some of the national media talking about, you know, what, what, what was at work here. Some of the, some of the producers were interesting. They're very nice and gracious. So very professional. Um, that's not my point. So when I was on with Anderson Cooper, but before, when you're talking with their folks, this is a question that asked me. So Jack, what do you think? I said, well, I think Trump's going to win. And it's not about me. I just happened to get it right. I thought about 11 or 12 points. Not 18 or 20, but not single digits. But it, it was going to tighten, but I thought he'd win. And yep. they'd say, why does he do well here among Republicans in the primary? You guys, this is, what he, this is what they say. You guys are very smart, affluent state. Your people are informed voters, very representative. How does Trump do well here with so many Republican voters? Like, you know, what are they, a bunch of idiots? That's what they were sort of saying. Like, you know, what are they, idiots? Instead of being smart and informed, why would they vote for Trump? I go, you, you just don't understand what's happening. There's so many people fed up with Washington that they say, what the heck? They like how he fights everyone, even though some people don't. So some people do. But the point is, you got the DNC saying, oh, New Hampshire's not a good early state. It's not representative. So we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna ignore, we're gonna, it doesn't count. And yet the national media know that New Hampshire is probably the best state in the country per capita for informed voters. I think it's sort of funny how they view this, you know? It is, yeah. And, I mean, let's face it, the national media from going back to 2015 has never really been able to understand Trump's appeal in America. I mean, they've always been confounded by it, confused by it, mystified by it, and and can't can't wrap their arms around it. it this this guy is he's a he's a generational figure in politics. I mean he uh, he so and when it comes to the media he so manipulates their narrative. I mean that's what is always amazing to me about this guy, which is to say he won he sewed up this nomination as quickly as he has, and frankly he hasn't completely sewed it up yet. But he, he's on the trajectory to do that pretty right, soon. Right. And the reason is because he's owned than 24-7 media. Right. There was no oxygen for any of these Republicans, including Nikki Haley, right. to get any kind of attention or traction because every day it was Trump, Trump, Trump. And, and so who's surprised that nobody else could elbow their way into this race and get enough yeah. attention to get voters to actually vote for them? I mean, DeSantis was the perfect example where he just completely flamed out after all that early promise. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting. The media uses Trump, and Trump uses the media. Absolutely. Yeah. Sure. It's a yeah. It's a symbiotic relationship, and it's a strange one always to me because you go to these rallies, and he's so caustic to the fake news. But at the same time, the Trump campaign is extremely good at getting press access to him, whether it's pictures, whether it's you know candid shots. Um, he's he's. He understands the power of the media, and he knows how to use it um, incredibly well. He's probably one of the most, it was, even if you don't like Trump, he's probably you know, one of the most brilliant marketing brand people you've ever seen. All right, Kevin, sure. we're going to let you go because it's one of those days. Hope you get some rest. Hope you don't get this head cold that's going around. Enjoy it. Kevin Landigan, New Hampshire Union leader. Thank you. Kevin. Yeah, be safe on the roads. Doug Tangden, 3.3% GDP. So we got that going for us. Yeah, we got 3.3% GDP, and we've got inflation, three months moving average of, uh, of inflation running right now at uh, at 1.5%, Jack. Oh, it's I mean, great, especially when I go grocery shopping tomorrow. I'm going to well, think that inflation's great. It's not negative. It's not negative. That is, prices aren't falling, but they're not rising as much. And you're absolutely right. People's incomes haven't increased to keep pace, so they walk into the 
you know, you can't buy. It used to be you could you could buy, take five dollars and eat something with it. Now you can't even get a get a French fries for that. So I, I get it. Uh, at the same time, Jack, you know, lower is better than higher. Lower is lower is is within the uh, Federal Reserve's target area. And so I think we could, you know, we'll we'll hear from Jay Powell later later on next week, and I think we'll hear a uh, we'll hear a good news from him. I think interest rates are going to be coming down. Yeah, well, eventually, but they won't come down as quickly as they went up. You know, I don't know that. You don't know that. Nobody knows what we don't want. We don't want them to have to jump down like they did during the financial crisis. Um, I think if the Fed holds off, which they're talking about doing. I, they risk um, messing with the economy, the economy which is moving pretty well. Um, it is, it's doing exactly the opposite of what it did in 2022. In 2022, we had a slow economy and high inflation. Right now, we have almost the opposite of it, which is, which is, which is good for both the markets and good for people in general. Well, you know, the one, one quick thing, a quick, quick point is very um, true, and you made this. You were actually on the right side of this, and not actually you were. We, we had no big recession last year. That's correct. And a lot of the big That's people correct. on Wall Street and the big people pr- projected disaster, big recession, huge recession. That didn't happen. Right. Right. And and I don't think we'll have a recession this year, but I think it's quite possible for the Fed to mess it up. Because if they say, oh, I, and they actually did say this, Governor Waller, Governor Williams, they, President Williams, they, they, they said President Williams, they said the worst thing, the worst thing would be for us to have to reverse ourselves. To have to, to start easing and then have to tighten again. You know what? The worst thing would be for them to mess up the economy. In my view, that's the worst thing, not their particular reputation. Interesting. What else is catching your eye? Well, what's catching my eye is uh, is, is what's happening in markets. The uh, luxury brands like uh, LVMH are, are going crazy with, you know, people on the upper end uh, they're loving this economy. So, so is American Express. American Express cards are seeing, you know, very, very good, uh, very, very good earnings. Whereas people on the bottom, the WalMarts, the Capital Ones, they're not doing quite so well. So, you could see this uh, reemergence of this, you know, two-stage, right. two, two-tier economy. Let me ask you this, Doug, because I know you stay clear from the direct politics, but it does have an impact. The politicians in Washington don't seem to give a damn about the $34.09 trillion in debt, which is really the outstanding borrowing by the U.S. government. $34 trillion. When is this going to hurt our economy in terms of people realizing that this is costing us indirectly, plus inflation's not great? You say it's getting better, but $34 trillion, $34 trillion in national debt. Why doesn't that matter more? Well, it, 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 it doesn't matter until it does. I mean, once the market's uh, decide, you know, we can't absorb all this, all this debt. Well, then they'll they'll turn around and they'll sell it off. You, you, you know, Janet Yellen got yelled at um, for not refinancing the debt at lower interest rates. Well, they tried to announce that they were going to going to uh, refinance out long. You know, refinance their mortgage as it were out thirty years. They tried to do that, and the market said, no, 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 no. We don't have an appetite for that. So they switched back. They're they're just all the debt is in the short. And it's in it's in T bills. It's going into your money market funds. The longer term debt, there's just not an appetite for that. And earlier last year, interest rates did have a have have a bit of a scare. Uh, I'm just discouraged because any political candidate that talks about the deficit, talks about Social Security, uh, they just get slimed. They get they get they get nailed. Uh, Nikki Haley said, "Let's raise the retirement age for those um, in their 20s." 
And lo and behold, there were just tons of of uh, let's see, Biden's Biden's uh, uh, tweeted out, oh. Um, Nikki Haley is coming after your Social Security. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, hashtag never Nikki. It's like you know, Doug, this is like this is like a a sliver of a sliver of an attempt to do something. I know, I know, and save it and save it, uh, make it solvent. You know, Doug. I, right. I don't mean I don't mean to say this. You're dealing with a system where if Sununu, for example, or anyone says and they're pushing the abortion question, you know, I don't mind limitations in certain cases in the last three months of a pregnancy. The Democrats. So call that an abortion ban. Right. So it's, right. you know, it's scared. It's fear yeah, tactics. Poli- politics, what, what's the phrase? I keep, I, I, I keep trying to stay cynical, but it's hard to keep up. You know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So that's right. why I stick to economics. It, it's, it's, a lot more, it's a lot more straightforward. Just the numbers. All right. Hey, do you still have any teacups left from Tunisia? <laughs> no, but I, I, had a, I had a friend visit with... Uh, from from Croatia. Yeah, but you're surprised. I, a, uh, you're surprised. I remembered that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank All you. Right. No, but he, what, what I'm saying, he brought me some olive oil. There you I go. tweeted it out as liquid capital. So anyway, I, I love olive oil. Can't have enough of it. Yeah, absolutely. Go to Italy. Equalizer three. Denzel Washington. Love the restaurant scenes. Hey, thank you, Doug. Anna Brown. Assistance count. Citizenscount.org. The president yesterday at this brewery was just tripping over lines left and right, trying to talk about beer and brew and beer and how the beer is brewed and the beer makes the beer and the brewery and thank the Earth Rider for the Great Wakes. I mean, no one knew what language he was talking. I asked Decker, who was there. He was John Decker on White House Cars. He says, Jack, traveling with the president, he makes so many gaffes, it's hard to notice him anymore. Isn't that sad? So you got a president who who speaks speaking a different language at 81 years old or whatever, and Donald Trump with all the legal noise. And 80% of the people out there don't want either one. Yes, it's, you know, there's lots of different ways to structure voting in a democracy. And the winner-take-all primary system that we have in the United States, where you don't have to get over 50% of the vote to, to get that nomination, although, of course, Donald Trump did get over 50%, Joe Biden did get over 50%. But this, is, this, is, this primary stage was set several years ago, right? We're going back the right. past two election cycles, why we have these candidates now. And if you do go back then, yeah, it was under 50% that, that these candidates were getting elected ultimately as the nominees. So that's, you know, there's different ways to do it. There's ranked choice voting and runoffs and all that. And you can debate the pros and cons and that's of the complexity of the system. But what we are seeing now is that if you have a co- coherent faction, so a smaller group that has a really clear preference, really clear ideas about what they want, it can overpower the voice of an incoherent majority. So that sort of moderate middle, that 70, 80% you're talking about in polls that say we don't want a Trump-Biden rematch. And it's the same, honestly, it's a similar dynamic that we're seeing in the U.S. House representatives, where even though Republicans technically have a majority overall, and there's arguably probably some sort of moderate millionaire that isn't able to come together because of part of division, but it's being really driven by this small, very coherent, far-right caucus that includes, for example, Marjorie Taylor Greene, and they are able to just completely railroad this democratic process at this point, whether you're looking at removing the speaker or obstructing the budget bill. For or against, we can see that that is a small group that right. has a lot of power over the process. So, you know, I really, it, it, I think it's worth reflecting 
given my background, you know, how do we get in a system where the majority of people don't like the major choices and, and thinking to the future? Is there is there something different that we can do about that so we get to well, the nominees? And I, I don't know. Coalition building. I don't know, because, you know, it's interesting. When I pressed Decker the same question this morning was travel the president, and I asked him, I go, and the other thing I want to add to this, Anna, because we have some extended time, if you have a few moments, um, you're probably taking a sleep day, not a snow day, but a sleep day. <laughs> um, nap later. Right now we're good. <laughs> um, is I, I had this class in here that sort of followed my show through the final days of the primary from Elon University in North Carolina. They were outstanding political science journalism the professors were great and they were with us tuesday and tuesday evening when the votes came in at st anselm college the institute of politics and they were there which is funny to pick my brain which cracks me up because i learned more from them talking with them interviewing them uh i had them on my show these are outstanding students i was very inspired because they're just very sharp and plugged in but the the, the 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 feeling i got not the feeling what they told me when i talked when they were watching the primary and the, you know, how much Nikki Hale is pushing here, but Trump seemed to be unbeatable, as I told him. I thought he'd, I thought he'd win by 11 or 12 points, and he did. They thought Nikki Hale was going to win because they were going to events, and she had so many, she had more events, numerous events, but Trump mm-hmm. would have the big rallies. And then they, they, they knew about the Democrat thing, but the, they, what they said is they, they have no say. No one listens to them. You know, it's all bought and paid for. So that's sort of the future, right? That's what they feel. That's definitely a concern, I think, particularly when you look at the huge outsized role that social media has come to play in our elections because now people have this sense not only with political candidates but also with celebrities and other talking heads they have this sense that they do know these people that they are having more of that sort of personal relationship so they don't feel compelled to go to these events and get to know people but the social media presence is an incredibly curated specific perspective that we're getting on these people completely different from in-person events and so i think that's why we've also seen the new hampshire primary and that sort of politicking, retail politics, real questions and answers with voters is dying because people aren't really pressing candidates in the same way because they just feel like, oh, it's on social media and people are buying ads and whatever. Yeah. Well, Decker, when I pressed him, why are we getting the same choice when so many people don't want that again? He said, Jack, you essentially have two incumbents for each party. It's really hard to beat an incumbent president. Like you have, an, you know, Trump was, he's running again. Third time he's trying to get the nominee. Biden is the sitting incumbent president for the Democrat. Flawed or not, they're incumbents. Um, the other thing is the news cycle. And I think the national media has some culpability in this. Trump uses them, and they use Trump. Trump made the debates meaningless because he didn't show up. He know like a fiddle master playing the fiddle. He knows how to play the media. The media uses him. They don't like him, but they put him in the news every single story. Trump, 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 Trump. So if you're Christie... Pence, Ramaswamy, DeSantis, Hale. How do you beat that coverage, if it's good or bad? Trump, 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 in the news every day. And, of course, Biden is the incumbent. So that that plays to it, too. Media definitely plays a role, absolutely. But I do want to have an interest. You know, I've been hearing this incumbent conversation a lot, and I think it's – I don't think it's that simple because, yes, it is true that Biden is the current sitting president. Trump was the president before that. Before that. But at the same, if, if we're going to go with that argument, okay, uh, an incumbent president, Biden, in this case, only winning by 64%, even though it's a write-in campaign, we, in any other incumbent scenario, we wouldn't say that's a huge win. Ditto Trump. 
Okay, he, he wins. I, I forget the, the final total now. What was it? 54, 55% yeah, point 54 being. 54 point something to, you know, it was 11, about 11 and a half, almost 12 point. 11, yeah. Yeah, so, so 12 point lead, but let's consider that, right? So any other election year, if we had an incumbent and they weren't blowing their opposition out of the water, let's look at it another way. Joe Biden, as the incumbent, certainly had, you know, many, many, many much more, much of a lead over Phillips and Marion Williamson. But Donald Trump is within 11 points of Haley, and everybody's talking about it like it's already a done race. So I'm not saying that the incumbent factor isn't there, but I think that it, it goes beyond that, and there's more X factor there, because at the same time that people saying, oh, they have that incumbent support, we're, we're not looking at these, these votes against them in the same way as we had in previous years. I mean, if Obama yeah. ran in his second-term primary and he only got 64% of the vote, people would be losing Good their minds. If, if Donald Trump only got 54% of the vote in 2020, people would have been losing their minds. Good point. I think the national media, they won't, they won't come out and say this collectively. I think they want Biden and Trump again. I think that's what they want, but maybe. All right, Anna Brown, I'll let you get some rest. Citizens Count, citizenscount.org. Thank you, Anna. Thanks, Jack. Jason Campadonia with uh, NBC News filling in for Aaron Real, NBC News National Radio Correspondent. Football, food, and hints to enjoy a weekend watch party, even if you call the Ravens. What, Jay Dog? What do you call the Ravens? The Ratbirds. Ratbirds. Take it away, Jason. <laughs> I haven't heard the Ratbirds yet this morning. That's a good one. I like that. Uh, so, food is definitely going to be top of mind. Uh, because people are going to be having other people over and, hey, bring something to share, yada, yada, yada. And what we're seeing online, the trendy finger food this year is the deviled egg. And here's the thing. It's hack this, you've got to hack that, and, oh, I have a hack for this, right? That's the, that's the trendy top. The hack here for your deviled egg, because they're fairly labor-intensive, what you do is you take a thumbtack and you poke a hole in the top of your eggshell before you boil your eggs, then you boil your eggs, 10 minutes, pull them out, you put them in an ice bath, and the shell comes right off. It's much easier, and it takes your prep time, and it cuts it in half. So that's a good one. Also, uh, bow tie crackers. That's where you take a piece of bacon, you wrap it around a butter cracker or like a club-style cracker, you put it in your air fryer, 350, 15, 17 minutes or so, and you're good to go. You pair that with some dip. Awesome. Those are something that you, you can do in mass quantities, three or four baking sheets at a time in your oven, and you can feed a lot of people uh, at, at once. That's good. If you're hosting, we're seeing the nacho table. No longer is it a nacho bar. It's a nacho table. The whole table. So wherever you're going to have the nacho stuff, you lay out some foil, you dump the nacho ingredients onto the table and allow people to build their own nachos. Forget the rug. Forget the rug below. Just let it. Just pour it all out there, Jason. I like that. Huh? I like that. You like that? I do like that. Good stuff. What it does is it creates a conversation piece. Yeah. People start interacting at the nacho table. Now you've got people or, watching the game, people at the nacho table going back and forth. Creates flow. Whole thing. Well, Jason, you know, good thing it's not politics, because if you got into Biden and Trump, it might create a food fight if you start saying Ravens stink if you're a Chiefs fan, whatever. Uh, what else? No chicken wings? Chicken wings are always on the list. Those are easy to get. I'll tell you, the biggest hack is your grocery store deli counter. Go there, get the potato salad, get the wings, get whatever. Take 
then take yourself to the dollar store, get a fancy platter, dump it on there, drop it off at the party and say, oh, it's my great grandma's recipe. Nobody knows the difference. You come out looking like a hero. And the other one is this air fryer. More and more of my buddies and my people I know, my wife are getting like, you know, sister-in-laws, brother-in-laws. So what's an AFC-NFC championship game without an air fryer, right? <laughs> That's exactly right. Anything can go on the air fryer. You can actually do the deviled eggs. You can do a hard-boiled egg in the air fryer. I haven't been that adventurous yet. I'm still old-school boiling on the stove kind of guy. But, yeah, you can do just about anything in the air fryer. They're amazing inventions. All right. I appreciate it. Thank you. Good stuff. Enjoy. By the way, do you have a... Are you, are you into the game? You're into the food. Are you into the game? Uh, games uh, this weekend? What do you think? Yeah, being the resident fat guy, I'm into both the food and the football. So, yes, uh, I think it's going to be a Ravens-Niners Super Bowl. But I'll tell you what, if the script writers for the NFL have it their way, Kansas City Chiefs win against the Ravens and then beat the 49ers in the Super Bowl and then a Travis Kelsey proposal to Taylor Swift on the field. What do you think? With his brother doing the best man thing without a shirt on. <laughs> Although, I, you're going to break the heart of Detroit. And uh, Jason, real quickly, I know you're on the NBC side. Uh, do, what's your, do you do the food stuff outside or, or just the news stuff? Because you sound uh, pretty like uh, t- multi-talented. Oh, well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, no, I really, I'm a news guy, and I follow a lot of the trends that are on, uh, you know, social media and also anything having to do with food I am into. Awesome. Uh, it's definitely one of my passions. J-Dog, what do you have? Something you want to come in? No, or? no, just oh. the, the proposal. I didn't think about that. I, you know what? I didn't think about that. We're going to Disney World, and will you marry me? That's 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 uh, that's a lot of pressure for Travis Kelsey. Now, I know I'm getting ahead of myself now. Let's not get yeah, ahead I know, of ourselves. I know, I know, I know. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Jason. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Rory O'Neill, NBC News Radio, National Correspondent. A little bit later on, speaking of those big games, I can't wait. I cannot wait for Sunday afternoon. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not going to rush it, but I'm, I'm looking forward because I'll be sitting. I'll be looking at that that uh, Ravens Chiefs, and, of course, it's 3 o'clock start, followed by 6.30, about 6.40. The uh, the NFC Lions Niners what a weekend! But you know what you don't want to be doing. We'll hear from uh, J Dog and Josh with Veasan next segment on who they got, and they'll break it down with some analysis. And it looks like Belichick is not going to the Falcons, so is he going anywhere? Yeah, we'll come back to that. Washington's the last opening right now. Yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah, but Rory O'Neill talks about sitting. So when I read about, I did my show notes. Believe it or not, I do prepare once in a while, Rory. Ah. I uh, I saw what he's talking about today, so I'm standing up doing the show. Rory, take it away. There you go, because there's a new report from the Journal from the American Medical Association that shows just how much sitting around all day in the office looking at a computer screen is bad for your health. This study involves more than 480,000 people over the past 12 and a half years, and it shows that there's a link to the sedentary lifestyle and a 16% increased risk of death from all sorts of causes and a 34% higher risk of mortality from cardiovascular disease. The advice here is it only takes 15, 20, 30 minutes of movement a day in order to reverse the effects of sitting behind the computer all day at the office. So if you can, you know, use the bathroom upstairs a couple of times a day. Obviously, take the staircase, not the elevator. Uh, But just try to find those five or ten minutes here and there uh, to offset all that sitting we're doing. Rory, I I wish it was just the office we're sitting around. How about people sitting around home? 
Well, I know. And then you talk about all that football. I'm feeling incredibly guilty about what my weekend plans are, too. So, yeah, no, we just have to get out of this cycle because we are just becoming a sedentary society. Well, here's a novel concept. I love people say, I don't have the time to work out. That's the biggest bunch of BS I've ever heard. How about this one? How about walking, an, uh, if, you could, if you're physically able, walking an hour and a half every day, most important part of your day. If you need to take the phone with you, take it. But you know what? Get up and move. Thank you, Rory. Thanks, Jack. Have a good weekend. All right, J-Doc, do we have the Senate President? Jeb Bradley, Republican Senate President, checking in a little bit earlier, which I requested. Thank you, Senator, on this Friday. Maybe give a, you know what? You'd be great, given your knowledge of New Hampshire's political history, to have some New Hampshire presidential primary takeaways by Jeb Bradley. What, what are some of your highlights? Ask Kevin Landrigan in this earlier, Je, Je, Senator Bradley. So uh, thanks a lot, Jack. Um, glad you're in. And I thought that, um, you know, President Trump had a pretty convincing win. Uh, Governor Haley also did pretty well. Um, you know, it was a two-person race at the end, which we haven't really seen in quite a while. Um, so I think that's one takeaway, that it was a two-person race. Um, you know, a lot of pressure, obviously, on Governor Haley now to try to figure out what she's going to do. I suspect, you know, she definitely continues through South Carolina, so we'll, we'll see what happens. But I think, you know, at the end of the day, New Hampshire upheld its uh, tradition of vetting candidates, um, whether it was, you know, any of the candidates who were in the race earlier and then dropped out or, you know, Governor Haley, certainly President Trump did, you know, a number of events over the last couple of weeks in New Hampshire. So, you know, I think we uh, upheld our bargain with the country to do a good job vetting a presidential candidate. Yeah, and what, what, do, you, what do you think going forward? Brad Card had said this earlier about how much money Nikki Haley's pack raised after New Hampshire. And um, Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, she did very well um, fundraising. I think, you know, President Trump's fundraising has been great, too. You know, so I think that race goes on for a while. I, I think, you know, the long term for the presidential primary, certainly what President Biden did to undermine you know, our first-in-the-nation status for his own benefit, because he probably wouldn't have done all that well here. And even though he got, what, I think 63% of the right-in vote, that's still 37% of, you know, the Democratic vote. So, well, Senator, you know, wait a minute, wait a minute. you got to give, you, 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 you give President Biden some credit here. He finally figured out a way after 50 years how to win the New Hampshire primary. That was not to be on the ballot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, I'm laughing. Yeah, I'm laughing. I, I just, I don't know what the Democratic National Committee did to stiff New Hampshire um, is just awful. And I'm glad that, you know, my colleagues in the state Senate, um, you know, really stood up to that, uh, both Republicans and Democrats. You know, we passed uh, the constitutional amendment that will now go to the House that mandates under if it passes, and it has to pass the voters, too, um, we would be first in the nation, and it would be in our Constitution. And, you know, 24 senators voted for that. So, you know, I'm pleased about that. All right, Senator, what do you have going this weekend? 
you know what? Uh, I'm going to have fun with my bride this weekend. And, uh, you know, you haven't heard Napoleon barking. Karen and I are driving, and he's, you know, sitting on my lap in the front seat of the car as I talk to you, happy as a clam. Well, enjoy. You know, in my... um... My office downstairs, we have a great facility here. I have a few offices. I'm not an office guy, but I was sitting there the other day, and I looked down at a picture you had taken of a wonderful uh, little stream. I think it was below Lake of the Clouds Hut uh, with your great photography is, is there, and I, I still have it in my office. I go, yeah, yeah, that's a beautiful, nice, beautiful picture. He's a talented He's a talented dude. By the way, Jack, have I sent you my uh, 2024 calendar? No, you sent everyone else I All heard, right. including the Florida hey, governor. Well, Florida you know what? I mean, you, you know, yeah, Ron DeSantis. Yeah, but you know, yeah, yeah, I'm, uh, ch- I'm, I'm, I'm chump change. And, and you know, Senator you, uh, Mark Daly from Ireland. You know, well, my legislation creating a New Hampshire uh, Irish Trade Council. Well, 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 he well. got one. Jay you Doug, text you know, me your address. You text me your address, and there'll be one in the mail to you Jay, Jay on Doug. Monday. J Dog, it's like There'll the be one for J Dog too. It's like the Sopranos. Only free, only good meals from uh, when Tony needed you. You know what it is? If you're not running for president, you don't get Bradley's calendar. You don't get Josh's book from Visa. Oh, everybody Ar- gets my calendar. Is this Artie Bucco situation? I have five hundred yeah. printed, and I have five hundred printed. I give all of them away. What, what J Dog? So, is this an Artie Bucco situation, like Artie, in the Sopranos? Yeah, yeah. Artie, yeah. Uh, Artie's yeah. restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. It's who you know. You get the meal yeah, if yeah. you know Bradley. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Looking forward to getting one uh, next uh, week, Steve. All okay. right, all right. Send, no, text Jack, me I'm, a mailing address. Okay. Don't forget. I want to a mailing address. We want two. You one for J Dog. Yeah, he's, uh, he said he was going to yeah, say he's yeah. going to do that. So. Hey, drive safely. There'll be two in the mail for for you guys. Two in the mail. Okay. Okay. Drive safely. The calendar's in the mail, as we like to say. Okay. Drive safely. Let me, let me see if my uh, being a canine guy. You ready? Napoleon, give me your paw. Napoleon, paw, paw. Is Napoleon <laughs> reacting? No, he's he's kind of zoned out this morning, Jack. All right, thanks, you know? Senator. Drive it's that kind sleep. of a morning, you know. Yeah. Napoleon, sleep. Yeah, it's that kind of a morning. Napoleon, yeah. sleep. Oh, he's already sleeping. He's already sleeping. Okay, thank you. All right, take care, guys. Have a good weekend. Right, thanks. Take a quick break. Tom Raffi with some good news. President and CEO of Northeast Delta Dental. Delta Delta, Delta Dental Radio. That's where the cough drop a mouth. And the book, Stories from the Starting Line. Take it away, Tom. Good Friday. <laughs> Good Friday, Jack, and thank you for a great week. I listened uh, to a lot of your shows, so thank you. You're obviously on top of your game. So I'm going to start with uh, something important. It's it's fun, but important. We do have a mobile dental clinic at Two Delta. <clears throat> excuse me, right across the street from the, where the Rocket is. So those um, people eligible for Medicaid, adults, and there's ninety thousand of you. If you call eight seven seven two four eight six six eight four, that's eight seven seven. Two four eight six six eight four. You can schedule an appointment. Appointment. Bring your Medicaid ID card, and uh, the mobile clinic will be there. This, Jack, just to remind you, um, while we have 158 or so providers in the Medicaid network, we got to get that to about 200. So this is our way of bringing access uh, to the people. So that's the mobile dental clinic right at uh, Two Delta. Next Thursday, I'll be in your studios to explain to our veterans friends. Their various options for dental care, one of which is being on Medicaid, but the second one being the Delta Dental Program. And if any veteran listening to me now, you can call me at 223-1300. I get about five calls a week. And then on the fun side of things, I know you're a dog lover. On Friday, excuse me, 
On Sunday, January uh, 28th, we have a 9 o'clock race in Hopkinton right past the uh, fire station, and it raises money for the Granite State dog recovery. About a year ago, we lost a new puppy for like six days in the Granite State. Her name was Ice, and it made a big story in the Concord Monitor. Anyway, the Granite State recovery people found her in in, uh, six days, so we wanted to give back to them. So I know you're a big dog lover, so I wanted to put that (laughs) out there. I love J-Dog. I love (laughs) J-Dog. And I I also, uh, by the way, in terms of football, I've... I'm picking Kansas City and uh, San Francisco. Oh, wait, know, wait, wait a minute. Okay, Chiefs, San Fran. Okay. And uh, I've uh, I've been I've had a good year in terms of picking. I, I just have a lot of respect for Mahomes. You, now let's go to the uh, NFC for a minute because they didn't talk as much. Well, I'm look. I just think the Lions are playing with so much emotion. You know, that's that's a hard thing to measure. Yeah, maybe the Niners more talent. Maybe more better system, better overall talent. Um, but I have to tell you that the Lions are awful. They're they're playing for a city. They really are. Yeah, I think though. Um, I think the slipper is going to fall off. <laughs> the and I think yeah. sometimes these these uh, really underdog teams they yeah. get to a certain point and then they don't. Yeah. So maybe next year they'll get it. So I'm going with uh, okay. the, okay. the home team, San Francisco. All right, we'll talk on Monday. Thanks. Thank, enjoy the uh, enjoy, Tom.